I know I've got a problem. I know I need to get help. I just don't know where to start, okay? Amazon Prime Day got me. What, what else can I say? You know, I'm sure Amazon probably offers, for a low, low price, <laughs> some kind of therapy to help you with your Amazon addiction. <laughs> you think that's true? You may have missed the sale, though, because I think Prime Day is over. Damn it! <laughs> what do I subscribe to Amazon Prime for, if not for all the great, great deals? Okay, we can't talk about Amazon anymore until we get an official sponsorship. All right. The two-day shipping. Oh, it's fantastic. The two-day free shipping. Their, uh, their streaming options are pretty good, too. They do some good stuff. Damn it. Why did I start us <laughs> on this? We've got to get a sponsorship before we can keep sucking Amazon's dick. Hashtag hail corporate. All right, every, all right everybody. Welcome to the Toe Meets Leather podcast. I'm Logan. Uh, I'm wearing my fresh new West Virginia hat and my Boise State polo that I got from Amazon Prime. Uh, Across the table from me is my good friend Andrew, who is not wearing any Georgia Tech swag from Amazon Prime. No, I I blame Adidas. They still haven't really released anything. You know, that's true. When is Adidas going to get our jerseys out there? I've been looking for them. That's been the worst rebranding marketing ever. Uh, and online, uh, over in Texas, we have our good friend Artem, who I cannot see, but I assume is wearing a giant hate boner for Texas. Can you confirm, Artem? Nope. No, it's, that's been taken care of. So you're just wearing all your other Texas A&M gear. All right, fair enough. Sadly, I don't know how much you'll get to talk about uh, not enjoying Texas, because this week we're supposed to be talking about the Big Ten, so... I guess to kick us off, we'll just start with the team that everybody expects to win, Ohio State. So, as people may or may not know, Ohio State has been pretty consistent, uh, pretty consistently on top of the Big Ten. I mean, they, out of the past three years, they've made the playoff twice. They're pretty solid uh, team overall. They've got probably the most talent going into this year of any team that I can think of. Uh, Andrew, you might know more than I do uh, as far as the talent level goes. What are your thoughts on Ohio State? I, I, the one big thing that I know is that J.K. Dobbins is a bad, bad man. He, he came in as a freshman last year. I remember watching that game against Indiana because for some reason the Big Ten's decided to play conference games on the first Thursday of the season. We'll get to that. Yeah, their biggest question to me is at quarterback. They've got to replace JT Barrett. They've got a sophomore in Dwayne Haskins, who's the guy that I believe is slated to be the starter. So the big thing is going to be how can, you know, what is he able to do? How much of the offense does Urban trust him with early in the season? Fortunately, they open up with Oregon State and Rutgers as their first two. And then their first four include TCU and Tulane. So three of those are games that, on talent alone, they really shouldn't have a lot of struggles. But, again, they're, they're a team that's recruited so well. They signed the number two class in the country last year. Which, so <laughs> the rich keep getting richer. And, you know, they've got another Bosa brother on the defensive line. Which those guys, you want to talk about solid technique players I mean they're they're well beyond their years in what they're able to do from the the technique standpoint in terms of oh, hand no, placement yeah. in terms of pass rush games you know you can go watch Joey Bosa for the Chargers and you you're looking at a guy who looks like he's been in the league for seven or eight years just the repertoire of moves that they have you know you can tell their dad was a D lineman has trained them to be D lineman what I wouldn't be able to do, what I wouldn't do to get talent like that on Georgia Tech. I mean, good, good lord. Um. Well, that's a whole another host of questions. I mean, okay, but yeah, I mean, I guess the problem I have, and it sounds like the problem you're kind of running into too, to an extent, is just what is there to say about Ohio State that hasn't already been said? They're the top runner, and the only real thing, per our discussion last week, the only real reason we're not putting them in the uh, most likely to make it to the playoff scenario is because there are a couple of trip-up games with Penn State and Michigan down the line. But overall, they've Urban Meyer's a great coach. They've got talent out the wazoo. 
And, I mean, I don't think anybody isn't expecting them to make the playoffs. Uh, Andrew, uh, we've already heard from Andrew. Artem, what can you say that hasn't already been said about Ohio State? No, you guys are completely right. These guys are loaded. Um, and they got a chance to play a lot of their players and plenty of snaps last year. You know, it looks like Dwayne Haskins, like you said, is going to be the favorite looking at who they have next in line with JT Barrett gone. Um, there's a lot of talk about Joe Barrow, Burrow transferring, but behind him is five-star Tate Martell, who's a little undersized, but he's a fast kid. And biggest question going into it, honestly, is going to be who's going to be starting a tailback by the end of the season. Going through the season, J.K. Dobbins will probably get the, the big start, but then going into it, um, you got a lot of talent coming up behind him. Mike Weber still there, and then Antonio Williams. So it's going to be tough to beat because just by looking at their two deep, there's only one true freshman, and he's a probably four or five-star tackle. I remember this name. I think he's a – I'm pretty sure he's a five-star. But there's not a lot of unexperienced talent in that two deep. Um, same thing with the defense. So it's going to be um, – what will be interesting to see, actually, for me, is when they are blowing some of these schools out that are easy to beat, like probably Oregon State. Um, Indiana was kind of a trick game for them last year, but <laughs> they know what they're getting into now. I think they're still going to whoop up on them this year. Um, I'd like to see what some of their uh, third string guys do, and that's mostly freshmen. Once those guys get experience, you know, like you said, the rich keep getting richer. I think it's going to be a good year for them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. I Again, I guess my problem is it's just I can't think of anything out there to say about it. Everybody knows what Ohio State is. I think everybody knows what to expect out of them. I'm still refusing to put the in front of their name. But onto a team that people might actually hear something new about. Let's talk about uh, Wisconsin. So the past few years, Wisconsin's been the big challenger in the West, which I'm glad they have gone back to calling it the West. Uh, they won 11 games last year, and they just fell short of beating Ohio State. And they, I think it came down to the last drive, if I remember correctly. So what are odds are you giving Wisconsin this year, Artem? Uh, obviously, they, I think we can expect them to make it out of the division, but do you think they can challenge Ohio State? I'm trying to see if they kept their defensive coordinator. Yeah, it's Jim Leonard's uh, second year. Is it, It's the second year? Okay. Yeah. So... In the offseason, there was a, the reason I'm looking that up at all is in the offseason, there's a lot of conversation about whether he's going to leave or not because, you know, even though he's a Wisconsin man, it's it's a lot of money he would pass up. Uh, A&M was trying to look at him, and there was a question being thrown around. Um, you know, he makes, I think, like five 500000 right now as a defense coordinator, which for the job he did last year is a very subpar amount of money. He's worth a lot more than that. So he's coming back. You know, he did a really good job with that defense last year. Uh, they're getting Alex Hornibrook back. Uh, a lot of people are saying he's an NFL talent, even though he's left-handed. It seems like he hasn't had that stop him until the Ohio State game last year when they kept putting pressure um, to the side he was rolling out to. They got Jonathan Taylor coming back. Jonathan Taylor didn't go in the draft. He was a true freshman last year. Um, oh, shit. Cool. <laughs> He yep. played like a sophomore. <laughs> so, um, you know, that kind of, that area is tough to talk about just because it's, uh, who does Wisconsin have? Uh, Nebraska, I think, is their challenger in Northwestern, depending on the year. So um, I think they have a relatively easy path ahead. It just depends on who they play. Uh, in the East Division for the championship and how beat up that team is. Uh, we'll see if um, Purdue, um, Nebraska, and Minnesota are going to be able to challenge. You know, Iowa looked good in some games last year. They beat Ohio State. Then in the conference, they went 4-5. and five. So I think they have – they honestly have a much easier path to the top of the West Division than Ohio State does, in my opinion, because they don't have to – play Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan every year. Obviously, they'll play them they're actually playing, some of the time. They're actually playing they them play on the road this year, yeah. Who are they playing? Um, well, I was going to lead that into Andrew for his next question. I mean, they've got Michigan on the road, they've got Penn State on the road, and 
Another potential trap game, they've got Iowa on the road before their bye week against Nebraska. So, I mean, do you think those kind of games are going to impact them uh, this year, or do you think they've kind of got the prep considering how easy the rest of their schedule is? Yeah, those are going to be the two big games. The At Iowa week four is going to be an interesting one. I don't see them being challenged really by Western Kentucky, New Mexico, or BYU. Nah. <clears throat> you know, that at Michigan game, obviously, the at Penn State game, you know, we all think Purdue's going to be better than they have been. So I don't know how much of the challenge that'll be. This Wisconsin team's going to give you what a Wisconsin team gives you. They're going to get some giant corn-fed offensive linemen that are 6'6", 320, NFL-caliber linemen, line up with a tight end and a fullback and just slap you in the face. Well, and I think they, they do benefit a lot from – their offense has been very successful behind how big their linemen and how strong they are. They actually put out a very interesting week, uh, article this week. I forget the guy's name, but one of the Wisconsin bloggers put out a big article about their how good their own line is looking this year. And I wouldn't be shocked. I think uh, given, what, given what Penn State has lost and given the fact that – I haven't really seen a great deal out of Michigan's offense the past few years. There's a distinct possibility they go undefeated this year. Um, you're not as optimistic. Well, it's possible. I think the defense lost a lot of guys. I really do like Jim Leonard. He stepped in when Dave Aranda left, and they really haven't missed a beat. Aranda did a really good job at building that Wisconsin defense, and Leonard's kept that momentum going and kept them really being as, as talented or I guess not even really talented, but being successful with not necessarily having a lot of talent. They've been a really good team scheme-wise and all of that that really maximizes what they have and are able to turn it into something. They lost a lot off of last year. One, two, three. They have four, four starters coming back, so there's a lot of inexperience that they're going to have to work into the rotation again. As we said, their three opening games I think will help them be able to do that. You'll be able to get these guys some playing time and some probably less pressure-packed situations. But it's definitely a team that has and will rely on that run game. Uh, you know, that's Wisconsin football. And it was interesting uh, what Artem mentioned about Jim Leonard getting paid. Wisconsin's had an issue, and I can remember this specifically when Brett Bielema left for Arkansas, is that one of the reasons he left was he didn't feel that Wisconsin was willing to invest the amount of money to pay the assistants what he really felt they deserved and to keep talent you know, they've lost Dave Aranda. They, uh, for, technically, they lost Paul Christ, and he came back when he went to Pitt. And so that's really going to be the thing is, it, has Wisconsin turned a corner, or are they still trying to compete but not spend the money necessarily to really compete? And like I said, the, the Michigan and Penn State games on the road are going to be rough. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, do you think that's going to – I guess I'll turn it back to you, Artem. Do you think that's actually going to change the results out west, or are they they're still going to basically run away with that division? It's going to be hard to get those corn-fed, cheese-fed boys out of there. Um, you know, the the style they run, the, the, the type of offense they run is keep the ball away from you, score a touchdown, hard-nosed football, full back in your face, locking tight end. So I, I think they run the perfect offense for that. The main thing is just – you got to keep getting that talent on defense because, you know, they have one off year, and I think some of those other schools that are kind of outside looking in are going to jump on them. That's I don't think it's going to happen this year, though. Well, that's fair. And, I mean, you do have programs like Nebraska rebuilding and potentially Minnesota. We haven't really seen what P.J. Fleck will do, but we'll talk about them in a second. For now, we're going to get to the other contenders, uh, which I believe all happen to be in the East. Well... Uh, I guess if you want to look at Iowa, but we got Michigan, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan State. They're all pretty solid programs. Now, they've all got their own ups and downs. Penn State, obviously, they lost their big running back. They lost their offensive coordinator. Michigan has never really been able to get over the hump against Ohio State, and that's really kind of been their downfall. Iowa has had a drop-off from where they were a few years ago. Um, and then, of course, uh, Michigan State, which I know, Andrew, you're really high on them, but I think people forget that only two years ago they went 3-9, and nine, so I, I'm not as confident in this program. But I'll start with you right now, Andrew. I mean, looking at all these programs, which, of, which one can we expect the most out of this year? 
the thing to me is they all have really big questions. And I'm not exactly sure who answers that question the best. Michigan has got to have better play at the quarterback position. They brought in Shea Patterson. That's really going to be their big question. We talked about Penn State lost a ton of talent, not just Saquon Barkley, not just the offensive coordinator, but Mike Kosicki, the tight end, is gone. They lost a bunch of guys out of the secondary. You know, they've got a lot of places and holes to fill. They have two returning starters on defense. I mean, that defense has got to retool and rebuild. Uh, I'm high on Michigan State because they return a ton of talent, and I have a lot of faith in Mark D'Antonio, but like you said, they went 3-9 and nine two years ago. Who's to say if they can ever really get over that hump? They did make the the playoffs, Lord, is it 2013? When yeah. they got smoked? Yeah. A year before that. A yeah. year before they went 3-9, and nine, they were in the playoffs. It's crazy. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, wow, you're right. So, you know, so and that looks kind of like a blip because they went 10-3 and three last year, so it was just one of those perfect storm kind of situations. And then Iowa, <laughs> I don't really know, know a lot about Iowa. I know that they kind of like Kansas State keep winning eight games and no one really knows. Yeah, Iowa is one of those. I was the children of the corn. Like, you don't see them coming, and all of a sudden they're, like, out in front of your car, and you're, like, stuck in a cornfield getting fed to a demon. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's it's funny because Kirk Ferentz has been there 20 years. He's one of the longest. He may be the longest tenured coach currently in college football since Bob Stoops retired. I think he might be. I can't think of another. Um, yeah. But, you know, he goes 8-5, and 7-6, and six, you know, da-da-da-da-da. People start going, huh, you know, maybe we should fire this Kirk Ferentz guy. You know, maybe we should. And then he went to 12 games. And you're like, oh, well, can't fire him. <laughs> well, and he got the farmers on his side. And that's the key thing. Just like <laughs> just like if you're a politician in Iowa, you got to get the farmers on your side. And that's what it's all about. But no, I mean, all of these teams, though, like you said, it's it's they've got questions. I do think... You tell me, man. Based on what you just said, it sounds like Michigan State's the most likely to answer that if they don't fall on their face like they did two years ago. Yeah, I think it's. I think your biggest challenger is probably going to come from the Mitten State. I, I think it's <laughs> okay. going to be Michigan State or Michigan. Uh, I, you know, Michigan State's got less questions in my mind. Just everyone they come back. I like L.J. Scott. I like Brian Lewicki. Uh, they've always shown that they can play defense. I mean, it's, it's what D'Antonio's really hung his hat on okay you know they they get ohio state at home they get michigan at home so that'll i mean i don't know if they'll compete with ohio state that much but it's at home and it, you know east lansing is a pretty tough place to play sometimes yeah I, I mean i think michigan state has a better chance to compete just because they have less questions okay well and it's funny because i think a lot of people forget about michigan state because when they look at the conference they look at oh ohio state's great penn state's got the tradition and Jim Parbaugh's in Michigan making it look like he's won like 50 games when he's been there three years and he hasn't, he hasn't even been able to beat Ohio State. Um, Artem, I, it's going to be the same question to you. You've had a lot of the details laid out on the table. You've had a little longer to think about it. Which of these teams do you expect to see the most out of coming into next year? I think it's going to have to be Michigan, honestly. That's my opinion. Um, and what I'm basing that off of is I'm looking at their uh, depth chart <laughs> and then their schedule. So first off, their schedule. They play Notre Dame to start at Notre Dame. Um, that's a big game. It'll add to their strength of schedule. I think they have what it takes to beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame lost their defensive coordinator to the Aggies. My guy that stepped up is the linebackers coach. He's a new defense coordinator, so he's going to have to prove that he's able to coach up to the same level and train up the talent to the same level because they lost a bunch of their guys. Um, and then I look at the depth chart. Um, depth chart for Michigan has a lot of guys coming back on the defensive line. Um, and then they have um, Shea Patterson potentially playing, which would be a big uh, get for those guys. If he, uh, his, his eligibility will be determined yeah, they've uh, they've granted the waiver. He's going to be able to play. Okay, so after watching that kid run around last year before he got hurt, that kid's a superstar. They have the running back back. I'm recognizing some of these receivers' names: Donovan People Jones, five star freshman last year, Tariq Black, and then on their defensive line, they got Rashard Gary back. He was a five star uh, defensive end. Uh, our favorite guy, Noah Furbush. Uh, with the awesome last name there, 
you know, I, I think uh, I think some of their guys in the secondary need a little bit more proof, um, but everybody else, they have what it takes. And uh, if you look at their schedule after they play Notre Dame, uh, Western Michigan, SMU, I think Nebraska is going to be too early in their rebuilding stage to, to kind of challenge them all the way. Maybe they'll probably take away in the fourth quarter. And then um, besides the back-to-back Wisconsin-Michigan State games, they got a bye week going into Penn State, Cupcakes and Rutgers in Indiana, and they finish up with Ohio State. I think if they're healthy when they play Ohio State, and maybe Ohio State's a little bit banged up, they might win that game this year, especially if Shea is under, the, under center. The other cool thing that I'm seeing is, um, well, it's not cool that they lost three other quarterbacks. So their only experienced guy in the system is Brandon Peters. He's behind Shea Patterson right now, so that tells you about his talent level. But they also have Dylan McCaffrey, the the younger McCaffrey brother, to this 13 quarterback. So what I'd like to see if uh, if they are running away in some of those games, Dylan McCaffrey's supposed to be this badass quarterback. So um, I'd like to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I think he'll play. The interesting thing that we really haven't talked about on this podcast, and I've kind of forgotten, and I'll take the blame for this, we do have to remember that the redshirt rules have changed for this fall. Well, we, we talk about it on the, whatever. Hey, do we? Oh. Okay, well, maybe we talk about it on every podcast, and I'm just dumb. I mean, that's usually the right answer. We, we, uh, talk, we did talk about it in the Big 12. But yeah, yeah, so and I think I think you'll see a guy like a McCaffrey probably play an extended amount of time with a big lead because you can play the kid in four games, and it doesn't matter. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's. Well, and is she a graduate transfer? Or no, was he, he granted immediate. He was all of. Time? I believe all of the old Miss guys were granted immediate eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, honestly, having seen that kid and having guys like Tariq Black and Donovan People Jones, I think you're going to see, see a resurgence of their passing game this year. It's yeah, going to be crazy. My my biggest question about that is Patterson's a, a spread run around option kind of player, and it'll be interesting to see how he fits into what Harbaugh likes to do, which is a little more pro style, a little more. Two back and a tight end, traditional. Well, and it seems like that's been their mentality. Maybe it's because they haven't really had that talent at the quarterback position, but their mentality has been much more, we're going to smash mouth, we're going to run it up the middle, and then we're going to rely on our defense to get some stops because uh, they were not like a high-efficiency offense last year, to say the least. Yeah, and I mean, Don Brown's a great defensive coordinator, so that's always going to Oh, no, he's a sick defensive coordinator. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you're if you're going to win against these teams like Penn State and Ohio State, you got to be able to score. Or just well, get... and a, a quarterback like him, having listened to some analysis of what Jimbo runs at A&M now, there's a very similar offensive system, so Shea Patterson will probably fit a kind of Jameis Winston role where, you know, they ran the ball heavy, but Jameis still threw for 250, 300 yards a game because – it opens up the passing game. You start throwing bombs to your wide receivers on and tight ends on play action. And if you're in trouble, if you're a mobile quarterback like Shea Patterson, you can get out of that trouble and scramble for extra yards. Wouldn't that be good to see? I don't know. I, I'm still kind of curious what we'll see out of Penn State exactly. I think Iowa's an interesting take, but I don't think they're going to challenge. So the question really does come down to, is it going to be Michigan or is it going to be Michigan State out of the – yeah. Out of the middle well, so, of the conference. Uh, I was looking at Iowa as well. Um, Iowa's got a 6'5 quarterback coming back. Um, yeah, Nate, Nate Stanley's Nate's a good player. All those big boys. So, I don't know. Nate Stanley is looked to be a um, first-team guy, and he's a junior. He looks like he's a big Ben, 6'5", 235 pounds. Yeah, and he, he played well for him last year. You know, Iowa kind of does a lot of the same things that Wisconsin wants to do. Right. You know, they want to line up places. I mean, that's kind of the Big Ten's. Mo to an extent is well. I think it's the lineup play Smash Mouth football. I think it's the West's mo certainly. Yeah, it's definitely the West because yeah, because in the East you had Urban well, Meyer. Well, it, which... it used to be because you know you had Nebraska, you had Iowa, you had Wisconsin. They would do that same thing. I think PJ Fleck and Purdue are kind of changing that. I mean, Ohio way. State is too. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, Herbs is a. Well, Ohio State and Penn State have really been doing a lot to change things around as yeah. far as getting the ball thrown and everything. I don't know what to say about Michigan State. Michigan State is uh, yeah, they're they're still a little more traditional, but you know that's what D'Antonio wants to do, and you know I mean the man, it works. <laughs> you know I mean, it's it's tough when you know, when you when you won a hundred games in twelve years, it's you know, yeah, it's tough to really, really change argue, change um, what you're doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah this uh, offensive line for Iowa. Six seven six four six four six five six five. They need a six five quarterback to look over that. <laughs> it's a, yeah. So we All talk. We talk about big old corn fed boys. 
Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of battles over the corn uh, this year between Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa. I think it'll be an interesting. Season. And Iowa plays Iowa State week two. Oh yeah, they can't forget about that one. I'm kind of curious to see how that'll play out. Uh, moving on to a couple other teams, uh, let's talk about. I, I guess we can call them the big nerds, uh, Purdue and Northwestern. I I think generally these teams have been thought of as the lower brow teams because they're the highly educated engineering slash sports writing program. Northwestern did some amazing things last year, uh, winning 10 games in total. That was came out of nowhere for a lot of people. I think it kind of had to do with they had a pretty easygoing schedule for the most part. Uh, Purdue also surprised a lot of people. I think they they didn't have nearly as successful a season, but they went to a bowl game. I think, did they end... Uh, was it six, seven and six? Or seven and six. They won their bowl game. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, but that was shocking because I think Purdue has been so bad for so long. To see them kind of come out of nowhere like that was a surprise. Um, their coach has really turned things around. Andrew, I'll turn it over to you. Which Whatever team you want to talk about first, do we expect the same thing coming out of Northwestern this upcoming year? So, first of all, I'm slightly offended as a Northwestern homer. That you compare the two of them. Northwestern has gone ten and three, seven and six, and ten and three. Uh, last season was the first winning season for Purdue in a really long time. Their five-year record is sixteen and forty-five. Yeah. So their new coach is going to change. That. Yes, I mean I think Jeff Rom's a great coach, but they're a little different situations. But I think Pat Fitzgerald's done a great job in Northwestern. So, so you're telling me Northwestern's going to win ten games this year? No, but I'm saying that to compare Northwestern and Purdue are slightly disingenuous to Northwestern. Okay, fine. Both, both from a football and I'm sure as Northwestern grads will write it to tell us from an academic standpoint well, too. Okay, okay, but of the teams left, who would you have me compare them to? Northwestern and Nebraska? Northwestern and no Minnesota? one. Northwestern's kind of in their own. They're Northwestern. They're kind of like Duke. Duke is who you could compare them to. So shut up and tell me about how Northwestern's <laughs> going to go six and six this year. They probably will because they have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame. <laughs> they do get Clayton Thorson back, who's a really good quarterback going into his his fourth year as a starter. You know, he unfortunately tore his ACL in the bowl game last year. They do have to replace the the running back who ran all over everybody last year, uh, Jackson. And, but they get a lot back. Wide receivers are back. Most of the offensive line is back. You know, he, he, Pat Fitzgerald's offensive and defensive coordinators are going into their 11th year on staff. I mean, he's a guy who's built staff continuity. I didn't realize he's – oh, my God. Pat Fitzgerald's been at Northwestern for 13 years. He's 87 and 65, which Northwestern's a team that I believe – still currently hold the record for longest consecutive losses in major college football. Well, and that's why they were comparing them to Purdue. That's yeah, why. but that was in the 70s. That yeah, count. okay, fine, whatever. That's like that's like saying we can compare Purdue to Ohio State because Drew Brees played at Purdue and won, like, two Big Ten championships back-to-back. Like, no. No. I don't know. No. You're, start, you're starting to convince me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making comparisons and tell us the damn story. Yeah, I, I, are they going to win ten games? I don't, I don't think so. But I think they'll win, you know, eight or nine and go to a bowl game. I think, I think the games are there. You know, obviously Wisconsin's probably lost. Michigan State's probably lost. Michigan's probably lost. Notre Dame, I mean, that's four that are probably lost. But everything else is a toss-up. They're opening week on a Thursday against Purdue because again, the Big Ten has decided let's play games on Thursday and conference to open the season. Is going to be a really, really exciting game, and I think will be a lot of fun. Week two against Duke will be a lot of fun too, because they owe Duke for last year. I think there's going to be a lot of telling stuff those first two games of the season, so we'll have to see how that all plays out. Uh, I'm I'm actually pretty excited to see how Northwestern season plays out. I'm not as optimistic as you. I do they won. Not... They, they won the last eight games last season. Yeah, they had a great run. I don't <laughs> expect them to win eight games. This they were year. they were two and three, and then won eight straight. <laughs> Okay, do you want to talk about Purdue, or can I turn it over to Arden? Yeah, you can turn it over to Arden. Arden. I'm not as much of a fan of Purdue. <laughs> so, I'm looking at the losses that they had from last year. They went 7-6, and six, but they also went 4-5 and five in conference. So, out of those seven wins, most of them were in conference, and their losses weren't that bad. Uh, not that bad. Uh, Louisville, who had the ex-Heisman winning quarterback, they only dropped him by a touchdown, 28-35. They lost to Michigan. 
Um, looks like that was at home. They lost to Wisconsin by a touchdown. They lost to Rutgers by two points, which is kind of pathetic. Uh, but the other ones were um, Nebraska by one point and then Northwestern by ten. Um, looks like all of their games were really close, actually. If you look at them, a touchdown or within ten points could have changed the outcome of every single game um, that they played. So, you know, when I was doing some research on Purdue, one really interesting thing I found was, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, the uh, Bahama Bowl of 2014, Popeye's Bahama Bowl, uh, the the reason that was interesting because I remember Jeff Brown's name and I was looking him up and um, you know I realized he's only been a Purdue for a year he went seven six last year um, he was at the Papayas Bahama Bowl and he was the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers coach Western Kentucky was the team that got come back <laughs> that that won <laughs> but they were getting come back on. Um, up 35 points, and they let Central Michigan come back 34 points, and then lose on a two-point conversion. Oh, that um, was that was that team. Oh, yeah. And Jeff Brom was the coach of the team that let them come back 34 points, but <laughs> but stopped them in the end. So I'm, that tells you about Jeff Brom's career. Uh, they won by a point there, and every single game they had last season is close. So what I would look for Purdue to do this coming season is to keep every single game close, just like Jeff Brom's done most of his career in televised games. I do want to say that um, somehow Purdue was able to pull away a wide receiver named Rondale Moore. Um, He's out of Kentucky, and he was a number one player in Kentucky. Um, And they pulled him away from Texas. Texas actually had him committed. He's a slot receiver. But he runs a 4-3, which is pretty freaking fast, especially in the Big Ten, because it's more more kind of big boys, you know, with Iowa pushing away. And that's why Ohio State's usually able to push these other teams around, is they have the big boys and then they have the fast guys as well. So I think um, this guy is, looks like he's second-string wide receiver, but I think he'll be starting by the end of the season. They got both their quarterbacks back. Uh, that they, they shared reps pretty much last year. Elijah Sindelar... And David Blow, he doesn't blow. He's pretty good. But then they also got a, a running back duo with Mac Jones and DJ Knox. So um, their biggest question marks, I think, are uh, do they have? Do they go with one quarterback this year? Because last year they changed up a lot, and sometimes that kind of interrupted the the flow of the game and um, didn't work out for them so well. Probably why they kept the games close. So do they do they pick one quarterback this year and go with that? Also, they had the two running backs. They split pretty much 500, 500 yards each, you know, the same amount of carries. It's good because they didn't get hurt as much, but at the same time, you know, do you pick a running back? Do you stick with that guy if he's doing well? The biggest question is on defense, and their defense improved a lot last year, but they lost a lot of the guys that helped that improvement. So their secondary um, is in the reconstruction phase, and then uh, their wide receiver you'll just see who uh, who steps up because they lost uh, two of their top wide receivers who combined for over a thousand yards last season. We'll see if it's Rondale Moore that steps up, number one player from Kentucky, or somebody else. They do need somebody to step up with that position because their quarterbacks are going to need it. I'd say the biggest question they have is are they going to lose by three points or are they going to win by seven? I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see I think a lot of their season is actually going to ride on their first six games because they've got Northwestern and Nebraska are potentially tough opponents, but I think they're beatable opponents. They get the first four games at home. They get Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, Missouri, and Boston College. Missouri is probably the biggest question mark. A lot of people are higher on them than I am because of the quarterback at Missouri. I don't have as much faith in Missouri because they continually find ways to fall flat on their face when they should be good. But we'll see. Those are potentially winnable games for the first four games. Then they go on the road to Nebraska. Nebraska is definitely in a rebuilding development year. I don't know what – we'll talk about them in a second, but I think that's potentially a winnable game. Then they have a bye week going on the road to, to Illinois. And that's pretty much it, because their next games after that are Ohio State, at Michigan State, Iowa, at 
the Golden Gophers, Wisconsin at home, and then on the road against Indiana. So the only one I'm looking at there that you could potentially win would be Indiana, and even that is questionable because it's going to be on the road. So I think a lot is going to ride for how their season plays out on the first six games of the year, and it's not going to be easy. Um, they probably were dreaming that they could switch out Eastern Michigan with North Northwestern right now just to, so they can get their quarterback situation squared away. But I think they could do it. I think we could see another potential bowl year out of Purdue, which given how, as Andrew continually points out, given how their past has played out, for Brom in this program, that would be a huge achievement. Hot take. They start 1-3. and three. Are they losing to Missouri or Northwestern? Missouri Northwestern and Boston College. Oh, one and three. I'm sorry. I thought you said three and one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so much hate. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm. I think Purdue's a better program than they were. I think Jeff Brom's a great coach. The schedule I think ramps up because I I'm higher on Missouri than you are. I think I'm probably higher on Boston College than you are. You're definitely higher on Boston College. <laughs> and I'm higher on Northwestern than you are. Well, to be fair, I do think I'm selling Boston College a little short. Yeah, they uh, they have to play Ohio State and Michigan State back to back, which I think are going to be tough. They're not going to win that. They're not going to win. They're not going to win Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa in a row. They no. might win against Minnesota, but I don't like the fact that they have to go on the road. They're not going to beat Wisconsin, and no. then you've got Indiana on the road, and I don't like that game on the road either. It's a rivalry game too. Yeah, I don't remember which trophy they play for because every team in the Big Ten has a rivalry trophy. There's like 35 of the damn things. Well, I thought it was the Turtle Trophy, but it turns out that's Indiana and uh, Ohio State. So, you know, The Illabuck? Yeah. I thought that was Illinois. Well, the, the Wooden Turtle? Oh, is it Illinois? I thought it was I Indiana. Was Are they all have them. I don't fucking know. All right, anyway. Let's talk about two developing teams. So, I brought up Nebraska, and we've all kind of been hinting at PJ. It's Illinois, Ohio State. Okay, it is Illinois. All right, there you go. Don't you feel special? Every day of my life. <laughs> All right, we've been hinting at P.J. Fleck. Uh, Nebraska just got is trying to turn things around. Uh, haven't really been able to pull that off in a while. And then, of course, P.J. Fleck, we've been waiting to see him actually get results in Minnesota. I mean, granted, he just got there. So, I mean, he's not going to great do amazing things just out of the blue. But I think... People were kind of hoping he would at least make a bowl game last year, so we could count it as a bit of a disappointment when he wasn't able to achieve that. But um, honestly, I think I kind of wish Tommy was here because he was the one who was a serious PJ Fleck fan, all about the road the boat stuff. But I guess I'll start off with you, Andrew. Where are you on the PJ Fleck train right now? Do you think this is going to be a big year for him as far as getting to a bowl? I I think so. You know, last year he he signed a really good class. I mean, it was the 38th ranked class in the country. But, I mean, for Minnesota, that's a really good class. He signed a 400-pound offensive tackle, 6'8". Daniel Falele, okay. um, who's originally Australian, has only played a year of football. But the big thing that he really did is Fleck expanded the recruiting footprint for Minnesota. He signed a kid out, kids out of Florida. I'm a little ticked off because he started stealing kids out of Georgia. Go away. We had enough teams to deal with as it is down here. <laughs> you know, he, he hit the JUCO rank pretty hard, signing some guys. You know, he, he signed a couple of in-state guys. Minnesota's not a state that's known for its high school football talent. You know, they've got to figure out a quarterback. It was either going to be... I believe Victor Viramontes, who I think is actually since transferred. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's still at Minnesota. But it's probably going to be Tanner Morgan. They, they return a decent bit offensively. The schedule, they have to go to Ohio State. They have to go to Maryland. And then they get Indiana, it looks like. Uh, week two against Fresno State is no sleeper. Eh, I mean, I yeah. think Fresno's pretty good. I think they, sh- they should beat them. They should, but Fres- like you said, Fresno can shock some people. You know. I, I could see a bowl game. You know, they've got to snatch ones like Purdue or Northwestern or Iowa or Nebraska. But it is a bit of an uphill battle, I think, for him to get back to a bowl game. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, 
Artem, do you want to talk about uh, the team you used to share a conference with way back when, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers? Um, I was actually thinking about this. Uh, was Adrian Martinez, is that the guy you mentioned, Andrew? At um, Minnesota? The, the quarterback for Nebraska? No, it's... Was he the one that, that had uh, off-season news? Uh, where he, like, didn't show up to practice. <laughs> I don't know, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like Nebraska, but uh, no, I cannot verify. They are replacing Taylor Martinez, but I don't know if he ever had those issues. So it's AJ Martinez looks like second string, but um, he's had a good spring game, so people are saying that he probably won't start. They'll let Tristan Gebbia start. Uh, and by the end of conference play, it'll be Adrian Martinez that's up there. But I think he was the one that had some some fight words during spring practice and didn't show up and talk smack. But um, <laughs> they're still filling out their two deep. You know, um, it's a completely different offense, new head coach, and they're gonna have to. It looks like their their two three deep on defense is looking a lot better than their their two two three deep for quarterback and. Um, excuse me, not quarterback, for offense. So it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska does. I think they have a maybe get to a bowl game here. Maybe not. I mean, they, they finished their season off against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. And somewhere in there is Illinois, who went 0-9 last year well, in conference. So uh, I think they're going to have to get a bunch of early wins to, to even get to a bowl game. They got Michigan and Purdue and Wisconsin in the first part of their season. Honestly, I don't I don't see them beating Purdue this year. I think they're going to lose to Michigan. I think Colorado, probably the same level, so it's a toss up game. Yeah, they might not make a bowl game. As far as uh, as far as Minnesota, I do like that Andrew pointed out that PJ Flake started bringing in a, a bunch of different guys. If you look at it, you know, like he said, recruiting footprint has been extended. He's brought guys in from Ohio, California, Georgia. Took a running back and a wide receiver, stud wide receiver out of Georgia. Looks like he's bringing in big, big offensive linemen. 6'4", 6'8", 350 plus pounds. Man, Artem likes um, them big, man. Oh, man. Gotta have them, What's big, up? them big uglies. Tight Ar- wing Artem, games. you like them when they're big, huh? <laughs> oh, God. There was uh, another tackle he brought in, 6'8". So, it looks like that offensive line might be the tallest line in college football with Several guys, six eight plus, and he's not stopping either. So if you look at you know who he signed last year and who he brought in this year, I mean they're developing. So these guys are going to get bigger and stronger in their college conditioning program, and not. I think Minnesota State or I think Minnesota Gophers will uh, will make it to a bowl game this year. Yeah, I think Minnesota could also potentially surprise a few people on their schedule, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Nebraska, as you pointed out, Nebraska's one of those weird programs. I can't remember his name, but ever since they let go of their 9-3 and three coach, uh, it's just been downhill. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, why can't you? Oh, he's at Bobby Petrina? No, no he's, at, he's at Youngstown um, State right now. He's at Youngstown State? Yeah. My God. Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini, yeah, that's it. What's that's his name? Bo Pelini. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it seems like since they've done that, their recruiting has gone downhill. Their coaching really hasn't gotten any better. And it's just their program has slowly fallen apart. It's, yeah, nothing about Nebraska since Tom Osborne has retired, since Tom Osborne retired, has really shown me that they've been able to manage that. Mm-hmm. You know, Solich came in, I thought was a pretty decent coach. I want to look at his numbers just to make sure that I'm not crazy. Because if I remember correctly, Solich won nine and ten games consistently in Nebraska, and they fired him. Oh, absolutely! I remember that being a big thing. But I mean, yeah, yeah, he went he went nine and four, twelve and one, ten and two, eleven and two, seven and seven, and then nine and three, and was fired after a nine and three season when they played in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, because Nebraska expects you to compete for a national championship every year, which is unreasonable. But uh, you know, Nebraska is a really interesting one of those teams as to, I don't know, much like Miami, if college football has changed so much since they were dominant that they're going to be hard-pressed, I think. They need to change their perspective. Uh, I think I think Nebraska needs to go back to the option, but that's just me. 
You think everybody needs to go back to yes. the option? Yes, I do. Okay. You um, know, I think Frost was a good good hire. I don't see a bowl game. I just don't see enough win. I mean, they could surprise me. I expect a lot of teams to surprise me because I'm pretty bad at picking. Well, I mean, this will be Frost's first year. So we don't. I don't want to give poo-poo it too much. No, but... and I, I think he's a great coach. You know, he's the defending national champion at UCF. So, I mean, he's been able to do that. we we got to give him time to get better recruits. we yeah. got to give him time to develop his program. Yeah. So, I, 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 I don't think it will be this year, but down the line we'll have to see. And I, I do agree with Artem. I think Martinez probably will end up being the guy. I was going back and watching some of his spring highlights, and I think he's a guy who fit fits what Frost wants to do, much like Mackenzie Milton at UCF. Okay. So, really quick. I want to talk about this team. Technically, I had them in my best of the worst category. But I think that was unfair to them because I was doing that purely based on their... Yeah, it's the one you think it's going to be. I was doing it based on last year's performance. And I don't think that was fair because they've developed a lot since then. And yes, it's Maryland. Andrew, do you want to talk about them? Yes, because Maryland, for the second time in Maryland history, was absolutely devastated by what I have decided to call stealing from an Iowa blog, the Maryland quarterback-hating guy. (laughs) Maryland, yet again, had multiple quarterbacks, Terry CLs, Injured themselves for the season. Now, they weren't as bad this year as they were in 2011, where they got down to starting a linebacker at quarterback, who actually threw two touchdowns against us, by the way. We beat him, but he threw two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, dude, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was at that game. It was cold in Maryland. You know, I think they actually looked pretty good. You know, they, they you know, ran a train on Texas to start the year with a healthy Tyrone Pigrome. Well, and they've also got that Under Armour sponsor. No, he sponsor. hurt that game, I think. That well, that's what I mean. Like, he played he played really well until he got hurt. <laughs> well, and I think they're pulling in more recruits with the Under Armour uh, sponsorship that they kind of got going on. I like their coach. Their scheme is good. Now, I just got to see what they can do when injuries don't hit them like a train. Yeah, they brought in Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, which Matt Canada has been a really fascinating offensive coordinator because NC State fans hate him. Pittsburgh fans love him. Yeah. LSU fans don't necessarily care for him, but don't hate him like NC State fans do. And he's I believe he's been at four schools in four years. When he's done good things, he's been amazing. When yeah, I, mean, I really like, I really liked what he did at Pitt. And I liked what he did at LSU. Uh, you know, LSU just didn't want to, you know, join the LSU is also one of those the, weird... the modern world and realize that there's more than a fullback and tight ends. Plus, LSU is also one of those teams where it's like something new. What is this? <laughs> what are that? <laughs> we can throw the ball. They return a ton of a ton of starters across the board. You know, you hope they're not going to get hit by the angry quarterback god again. And I think Maryland will be. You know, they open up against Texas in. I think it's the Raven Stadium in Maryland. So that'll be a really big test, really, for both teams to see if either of them are any good. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they, they get Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan as their crossovers. Oh, no, they're they're in the East. I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, no. They don't have to play Wisconsin. <laughs> That's the positive. I mean, they could potentially make a bowl game. Given they could. I think, I, think it's hypoth- I think they have a good shot outside of, you know, the four conference games I think they're guaranteed to lose. And then that whole Texas situation. Artem, do you want to tell us why Maryland's going to beat Texas? They're at home. Um, Technically. They have Tyrell Pigrom back. They have Kaysom Hill, who was fit then and beat the crap out of them afterwards. Like uh, Andrew said, you know, most of their team's back. You know, I, I think they're um, – they have, they have Matt Canada, honestly. I don't think Texas has a very good uh, offensive coordinator. But uh, from what I saw Matt Canada do at Pitt and what he did at LSU, honestly, LSU is dumb for getting rid of that guy. I think he could have revolutionized that team. They just don't let him. And honestly, uh, I think he's pretty pissed about what happened at LSU, and I think he's going to put those rumors to bed You know, during the Maryland game. Going in that game, that's a reason to prove that he – He's a good offensive coordinator, and he's, you know, kind of despite LSU, let's beat the crap out of this Texas team. Um, I also think that um, 
I was looking at uh, DJ Durkin's resume. You know, he's been there for two years now. It's his third year, so he's got something to prove in the third year. Um, by now, um, he should be winning more games than losing. He's 10-15 in the last two years. Um, and then most of the stops he's had, if you look at his resume, he had he was a, on the defensive side of the ball for most of his career. It was at uh, Stanford, Florida, and Michigan as his final stops before becoming a head coach at uh, Maryland. So um, I think they're going to have a really good defense this year. Uh, I think they're going to stop um, – well, they're going to have a middle-of-the-pack defense just because they're fighting Ohio State, Michigan, uh, that entire division, Penn State. Yeah, I mean uh, – But if... compared to teams like Texas uh, who have questions across the board, I think, uh, I think they're going to do really well. And they have them at home. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, technically at home, yes, in that it's in the state of Maryland. So, yeah, I mean, that'll be beneficial. Okay, guys, well, on to our last topic. Uh, we got three teams left since we took Maryland off the list. Best of the worst. We got Rutgers, Indiana, and Illinois. Now, Andrew, I think I know what yours is, so I'm going to start with Artem. Which do you think of the three remaining teams, Rutgers, Indiana, and Illinois, which do you think will perform the best? I'm going to go with Indiana. Um, the reason I say that is uh, it's Tom Allen. Um, it's his second year there. Uh, he's back uh, at his alma mater. Um, he's got uh, Peyton Ramsey coming back. I thought that kid was a good quarterback last year. Uh, he's a coach's kid, too. Um, their running back is back. Um you know, they, they pretty much have experience all over the board. Um, they kind of got off on the wrong foot last year. They played Ohio State in their very first game. Um, and I believe it was, a, it was at home for them. And they just, they, they held with them for, if I remember correctly, the first half it was like 21-21. And then they didn't score the rest of the, the second half. Ohio State just beat them into the ground. Um, so... You know, looking at that, um, Illinois went 0-9 last year. Um, Rutgers went 3 and um, hold up. No, not 0-9. 2-10, and 10, excuse me. Well, uh, Rutgers went 4-8. And and so um, I'm going to take, uh, take Indiana. Um, they were 5-7, and seven, which is a little bit worse than Rutgers, but... It's Tom Allen's second year. He's got a lot to build on. You know, he played some really good teams. And um, I think he'll take him to the next level this year. Yeah. I mean, technically, Indiana won one more game than Rutgers. Rutgers just did better in conference. And I'm not going to touch Illinois. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not touching Illinois. Um, yeah. Sorry, any Illinois fans. That I'm not going to worry about it. All right. Andrew, I know you're going to talk about Indiana as well. Uh, well <laughs> yeah. You've actually been really high on Indiana for a long time. I mean, yeah, I was looking at it in the book that you got open, but I kind of knew you were going to pick Indiana because you actually really are kind of a backwards fan of Indiana. <laughs> well, I, I liked what Kevin Wilson was doing offensively. It was really exciting, and they'd score a lot of points. They didn't win as many games. I mean, they did make two bowl games in 15 and 16, which is you know, pretty good yeah, for I mean, pretty good for Indiana football. For Indiana, yeah. The crazy thing is last year they were top 30 nationally in total defense. Like They were good defensively last year. What well, kind of bizarro Indiana world is this? They couldn't score, though. But they won five games. No. That. And, they, you know, they had some close losses, 9-17. Nine, nine to 17. To Michigan State, twenty-seven to twenty in overtime against Michigan, they lost a lot defensively, so that's really going to be a big question. The offense returns a ton. I was like Artem kind of said, I was impressed by Peyton Ramsey. I think he he played good, and he really fits into kind of the scheme changes a little more spread option more so than Kevin Wilson's air raidish throw the ball a lot more type offense. I, I think the schedule opens up a little easier. They don't have to play Ohio State that early. <laughs> It'll play until October. And I think I think he's got a really good chance. I think they can win their first three because I think they'll beat Virginia. I think that'll be a kind of low-key, bottom-of-the-barrel, but good fight game in week mm. two. You know, they, they get Iowa and Minnesota 
and Purdue as their crossovers. I think the the Minnesota game is winnable. The Iowa game I'm not sure about. The Purdue game I'm not sure about. Maryland a crossover? They're in the same division. They're both in the East. Oh, I didn't realize. I I struggle East West. Indiana and Purdue are the two that I can't ever remember because they're in the because they're in the Uh same state. Yeah, exactly. And if I if I remember, I think geographically, West Lafayette, Indiana, is further east than Bloomington, Indiana, but they're swapped. Also, I think Indiana doesn't Indiana the state of Indiana ignores um... Notre Dame. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they ignore the daylight savings time. I think you're right. Is it Arizona? That's such a weird... I can't remember. That is such a weird rule. But anyway. it was interesting, Artem talked about that opening week game against Ohio State. They, they were tied at halftime. That game, if, if you ever want to watch a game that is an absolute textbook example of how halftime adjustments can change a game, go watch the Ohio State defense. They played a lot of man coverage in the first half and struggled mightily. Back shoulder fades... Outcuts, you know, stuff that you're going to struggle in when you play a lot of man coverage. So they switched it to playing a little more aggressive and playing a little more zone in the second half, and we all saw what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that game is just a fantastic game to watch. It was also one that we had a coach's corner broadcast because oh, we had Matt Brown and yeah. somebody else because I remember watching that. Because it was the first key game of the season. Yeah, yeah I do remember So that. I, Oh, man, if we get a coach's corner for Northwestern Purdue, I am all in. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, I think out of that group, Indiana's probably going to be the best. Illinois is just a, a dumpster fire inside of a dumpster fire inside of another dumpster fire inside of a fourth well, dumpster fire. It's funny for how much flack that – Rutgers gets for how much flat Kansas gets. People just flat out forget about Illinois. I mean, like, yeah, Illinois. <laughs> Illinois has all kinds of problems, though. So yeah, one. Well, it was interesting. I was talking to some Illinois fans about Lovey Smith because I was fully convinced he's going to get fired. Like I have him in that David Beatty, Scotty Montgomery category of make a bowl game or you're going to get fired. And honestly, make a bowl game and you still may get fired. But. Apparently, a lot of the behind-the-scenes issues and the scholarship issues that we've talked about with Kansas and Artem talked about with Texas State, I think Illinois kind of struggled with some of the same things. So I've been told that Lovey is safe as long as they show improvement. Now, to be fair, he's going into his third year, and they've gone 3-9 and nine and 2-10. and 10, So he hasn't really shown any improvement. Well, I mean, improvement's not hard to come by when you just went 2-10. and 10. Like do better than do better than Rutgers. Beat beat Kent State, beat Western Illinois. Um, I don't know. Think they can beat South Florida. Um, they get Rutgers. Yeah. So that'll be a that'll great be great battle on October the sixth between so, Rutgers and Illinois. Oh, uh, just like Rutgers and Kansas. Someone has to win. Wait, that Rutgers game. plays Kansas. Yes. <gasps> Rutgers plays Kansas. Like I forget. Like it's early in the season. Oh, it's week three. Yeah. Oh, man, low-key low pillow fight of the week. Someone has to win that are you, game. Are you sure? How many overtimes do we have to go to before the game is abandoned? All right. Uh, Art, uh, uh, this is pretty much the wrap-up for us, uh, unless you want to talk about how excited you are about that Kansas-Rutgers game. I mean, pillow fight of the week, week three. Art, so I am seeing something interesting about Illinois. Um, they have a pretty easy schedule, honestly. Aside from Penn State, Wisconsin, that's it. They play their first three games are Kent State, Western Illinois, and South Florida. I mean, so South Florida can be a toss up, but from what I can tell, it looks like Lovey Smith brought his uh, wide receivers coach from when he was at the Buccaneers, uh, Andrew Hayes Stoker. Um, I was actually wondering about this myself earlier, so I had to look it up. Looks like they're bringing in a lot of uh, talent from Texas. Um, they're not. They're not, you know, high four or five stars, but they're starting to bring in the four or five stars. Um, they have a recruit that they cherry-picked from Texas, which is why I ended up looking at it. He's a four-star athlete, and he was either corner or wide receiver. He can play whatever he wants to. Um, Marquise Beeson. They picked him off this year. He's not even starting until next year, but I started starting to look at their stuff for last year, and they have a bunch of early interrelease that they picked up from Florida, and they picked up from um, from Texas. I think there's a lot of change coming in that program. You know, when you have early enrollee, they they start they go through spring 
um, training, they go to summer, and they, they may as well be, you know, sophomores coming into it, aside from having game experience, but their bodies are more ready. So, um, I don't know. Illinois might surprise us this year, since they are pulling a lot of talent out of uh, uh, Florida and Texas. I don't know. I think And they do have a really easy schedule. I don't know. I think you're seriously underestimating the Bulls. They do get them at Soldier Field, but... I, I'm looking at this schedule, and I'm like, they have to pull a couple of upsets just to get to, like, five games, maybe four. I, I'll give you Rutgers, I'll give you Western Illinois, and I'll give you Kent State. But I'm looking at the rest of these, and I'm like, even... You get, I mean, you get one of these teams beat up or without a quarterback, that's already a toss-up. You get Purdue or Minnesota at home. Nebraska on the road is not fun. Northwestern on the road is not fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think better than last year is not hard to do. No, I, and that's what I was gonna say. I think I think if you can get four wins, yeah. if you can squeeze four to five wins out of this, I think that's a successful season, and I think you've moved at least somewhat in the right direction. Artem was right. I mean, they're a young team. Tons of sophomores on offense. Tons of sophomores and freshmen on defense. And yeah, that's kind of what I said. Talking with some Illinois fans, they're they're giving Lovey a long rebuild. Which I think when you're a team like Illinois, like a Purdue, a team that has struggled a lot recently, I think that you have to give coaches time to change culture, to rebuild. Artem really hit on it. You know, he, much like P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, has expanded their recruiting footprint, which is always going to help when you can bring kids in from other places that want to play, that want to come play for you. So I see a name like Lovey Smith, you know, is, is D.C.'s Hardy Nickerson. I mean, I remember Nickerson playing for the Bucks. Just sorry, he's just got such a funny name, Nickerson. <laughs> you know, and I, well, I as, as wide receivers coach, coach, uh, freaking Mike Evans for what two years? That's a really good sell for recruits. Yeah, and and that's and I think that's the big thing is is it's definitely one of those long rebuilds. And again, I think they're doing a good job with trying to do that. Now, the problem with long rebuilds is you've got to show growth. And so I think a, a five-win, four-win, five-win season is is a good growth season for Illinois. I'm looking at Rutgers right now. Sorry, I'm looking at Rutgers right now, and I'm like, they might win. So depending on your view of Kansas, they might win their first game and then lose every single other game this season. Oh. Are they playing Texas in their first game? Uh, Texas State. Illinois brought in a new offensive coordinator. They brought in Rich Rod's offensive coordinator from Arizona. Hmm. So that's going to be interesting because I think you'll see a lot more spread option. They signed a lot of dual-threat kids. They signed three dual-threat quarterbacks. So maybe could, that's what Lovey's trying to do. I think potentially they could be a year away from making a bowl game. Potentially. But you'd have to see some trip-ups in the next couple of years too. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just kind of looking at Rutgers. I'm like, dang, they have the roughest end of the season I can think of. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they play Ohio State week two. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the last four games are at Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, at Michigan State. Oh, dear Lord. R.I.P. <laughs> so like Rutgers. <laughs> but, I mean, like, and then depending on your perception of Kansas and Illinois, yeah, they might just win one game. I would, that would be rough. Oh, man, I hope Lance Leipold and Buffalo beat him in week four. They probably will. I mean, like we talked about in the MAC conference, Buffalo was pretty good. They have a six foot seven quarterback. Man, it's a monster. All right, so that's going to wrap us up pretty much. Artem, do you have anything fun to say about soccer? Nah, it was a really good, surprising World Cup. I hope the rest are like it. Like with the Croats and everything. Okay, Andrew, uh, you're freaking you're poor, freaking out over there. Poor Croats. No, I was saying, do we do we want to pick division winners and a champion? Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, we can do I mean, that. I mean, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State wins the conference. I was about to say, <laughs> sorry, I kind of forgot that we, because I was like, we didn't do that for the Big 12, but I'm like, they don't have division. I mean, and we, we basically just said we Oklahoma. We kind of did. We said Oklahoma. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay, so Ohio State, Ohio State, and Ohio State. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Ohio State wins. That's Andrew's pick. Artem, who do you got? What's Andrew's dark horse pick? Iowa. Oh, okay. I think Iowa could be – because I just I, – I don't, I don't see Ohio State losing enough games. Oh, I was going to say, well, like over Michigan State? I See, I like Michigan State, but I, still, I don't like them enough to beat Ohio State. Okay, so Iowa's his dark horse. Artem, who you got? 
I'm going to go with Michigan out of the East, Wisconsin out of the West, um, with Wisconsin winning it all in the conference. I'm going to go with Penn State as, as the dark horse. Okay, interesting. Does Wisconsin make the playoff? Yes. All right. Woo-hoo! After beating Ohio's, after beating Michigan. Okay. And I guess, well, I'll just go for the freaky picks. I mean, I still got Wisconsin out of the West. I'm going to take Michigan State because somebody was telling me about how they're returning so much talent that they can't possibly be bad. So. Uh, well, so you're either, you're either hoping they beat Ohio State or two other teams beat Ohio State, and I don't see that happening. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll take Michigan State and Wisconsin. I'll pick Wisconsin to win the conference, given that scenario. And my dark horse... My question was, does Wisconsin make the playoff? Oh, yeah. Wisconsin... Uh... No, in this scenario, in a scenario where it's Michigan State and Wisconsin in the playoff, I'm going to say no. Wisconsin does not make the playoff. That, my friend, is a scorching hot take. You just ticked off everyone in the Midwest. Uh, if they even listen. Um, <laughs> and I guess for my dark horse? Hmm. Obviously, it's Illinois. No, no, no. I would pick Purdue before I picked Illinois. Oh, Lord. My dark horse? Uh, I'll go with Michigan. I'll go with Michigan as my dark horse because I, I don't even view them as being that great. All right. Anyway, that's all I got. You're going to get on the MGO blog hit list. Andrew, you want to tell us how Own Goal got cheated out of the Golden Boot? I mean, they did. They scored more goals than anyone else. <laughs> it's a pretty simple competition. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, thanks as always to our listeners for listening. Uh, you can reach us at our email at toemeatleather at gmail.com, and you can check us out on our uh, Twitter account at toemeatleather without an E, uh, whatever the Twitter handle is. All right. Have a good night, everybody.